0: First Corinthians chapter four, verse 14. And it reads, I do not write these things to shame you. Paul said, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But as my beloved children, he said, I'm warning you. He said, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to build you up in all that God's called you to be. For though you may have 10,000 mentors. I'm, I'm going to try my best not to be uh, bitter and vengeful in today's message. But there's a whole, my mentor told me this and this is my mentor, my mentor this and my mentor that. And hear me, there's nothing wrong with having a mentor but do you have a spiritual father? Is that though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul said, you're a Christian because of me. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me, do what you see me do. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful. Somebody say, beloved, beloved. And, faithful. and faithful. Paul said, I love him and he's loyal. He's my son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Father God, we're grateful. We say, You are holy. You're worthy of our praise and our adoration. God, you're worthy of all that we have to give and more. God, it blows our mind that we can be in your presence. You're here to to heal, to encourage, to, to, to impart, to download visions and dreams. God, have your way in this moment, we pray. In the matchless name of Jesus, somebody shout amen. That was a whisper. Come on, church. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. We've been in this series called Mature Ish. Somebody say mature ish. Anyone be honest enough in church to say that you are a mature Christian ish? i'm mature i'm mature i love god and 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 i'm gonna live according to god's word on on monday and tuesday sometimes wednesday gets a little iffy though i'm a little tired a little cranky but i'm gonna be right back at it on thursday here's what i've discovered we are all on a journey come on can you help me preach look at the person next to you and tell them you ain't jesus come on now i I know it's bad english but it's good preaching yeah, you're doing well, you're growing in Christ, you're becoming more like Jesus, but you are not yet Jesus. And because you are not yet Jesus, how many people know there's so much more growth that God has in us. There's so much more power, so much more anointing, so much more purpose, so much more gifting. There's so much more that God has for us. And my job is to irritate you just a little bit. My job is to get you out of your comfort zone. Here's what I don't want. Whether you're going to get saved today, whether you've been a Christian for a week or for 40 years, I don't want you ever to get in a position where you're like, I've arrived. I've, I've made it. I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. You may be you haven't even scratched the surface of how good God is, what he has for you and what he desires to do through you. The Bible says that God wants you to go from glory to glory to glory to glory, not from glory to glory to glory. No, no. He said, there's always more. I thought that was funny. You didn't think that was funny. glue. So even in this series over the last three weeks. We talked about just as a human will grow, not just in age and maturity from a toddler, an infant, to an adolescent, to a, a young adult, an adult, and a senior adult. In the same way, we grow as believers. No pressure. If you just got saved, you're a baby Christian. Be a baby Christian. Own it and love it and feel no shame about it. I'm growing in Christ. Just make sure that you are growing. We talked about how we have to learn how to trust God and his word. And learn who we are in Christ. Paul warned the church. He said, let's get over these dead works. Part of not knowing who you are in Christ is having the mindset that I have to earn God's love. That I have to earn his respect, that I have to earn his favor, that, that, that based on my church attendance and my tithing record and how long it's been since I've cussed is based on how much God loves me and how much he's grateful for me, not understanding that while you were wretched, while you were yet a sinner, he could not love you any more than he loves you right now. He loved you when you were messed up. He loved you when you were running as far away from him as he possibly could to the point that he let his son die so that you can live you don't have to work for his favor you don't have to work for his love you already have it we talked about as you mature in your faith you discover that God's placed gifts and abilities and talents inside of you and that there's a call of God on your life you know a lot of times when people are are, are preachers and stand on a platform people ask "Uh, when did you know that you were called into the ministry?" I don't know, actually, if I was called into the ministry or if I just volunteered. I just know I told God, I don't want to do anything else with my life but help point people to the hope that they can find in Jesus. But hear me, just because you're not on a platform with a microphone doesn't mean that you're not called. Every single follower of God, there is a calling of God on your life. Can I say it this way? There is a problem here on earth that you are God's solution. And no pressure. But that problem will continue to be a problem until you realize that you are the solution. That God's empowered you, that he's gifted you, that he's given you an eye to see that you can't make a kingdom impact here on earth. And then last week, my favorite preacher on planet earth. Did I'm, I'm, I may be biased, but I just think Pastor Zai is just the best preacher on planet earth. I was I was preaching at a church in Tampa last week, and our services didn't align. So in between their services, I was watching church here. And as she was preaching, I said, listen, y'all got any jobs down here in Tampa? Because I just lost my job up in Maryland. There's a new preacher in town. But last week, she was talking about as we grow in our faith, we step into a season of harvest where we begin to see the results of righteous living. We begin to see the results of our seeds of faith and not just tangible results like finances and relationships and all that, but kingdom results. We should see people coming into the kingdom of God as a result of our lives. When when you look around heaven, who's going to be there because of you? When you get there, who's going to be cheering you on saying, I'm so glad you're here if you had not I would not be here. Here's what I know about our orphanage in Kenya. There's going to be some Kenyan kids that are in heaven saying, we're so glad that Union Church gave and that you saw us when nobody else saw us. We are here because of your generosity. There's going to be some folks in PG County that are coming to Christ next year that are going to say, I'm grateful because of your serving, because of your giving. We've encountered hope because of you. So we're going to conclude uh, this series today with the last stage of spiritual maturity. And before I preach this, I just want to set you up with, I love you. <laughs> now, you're going to question whether I love you as this message goes on. And, and I also want you to know I'm not angry because you're going to question is he angry as this message goes on. But, but this is like PhD level. This is like, oh, I want to live a life poured out. I want to stand before God on judgment day and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I'll be honest with you. I'm even a little nervous preaching this because I don't want to come across angry or vengeful or anything like that. But hear me. I want God's best for you. I, 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 uh, I, I discovered something after I graduated college that I wish I had discovered before I graduated college. The first thing I wish I had discovered before I graduated, I wish I had discovered that I actually am intelligent. I, I discovered that I was intelligent, but I discovered it after I had graduated college. And, and I wish I had known that when I was in college, because I probably would have had better numbers and letters behind my degree if i had discovered that hey you 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 you're doing alright you do have a brain you can use it that I'm the second born. You got to understand every second born has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they, they got to prove that they're better than the first born. And it's just kind of the way our dysfunction happens. That's why we need Freedom Conference. Any second borns in the room that, that you just you just live life with just a, they ain't all that. I know they were your first, but the second is best. It's just kind of how I lived. I have an older sister. Her name is Stephanie and she thinks she's all that. And uh, she actually was. She was a born of hygiene. She, she applied to like five different Ivy League schools and got into all of them. I applied to one school, got into that one school, attended that one school, graduated that one school by the skin of my teeth. My, my sister would come home from college and she would say, oh, it was such an amazing semester. Daddy, I didn't get one B. I said, so? I didn't get one B either. What are you trying to say? She's... You will be impressed. (laughs) I wish I had known I was intelligent. Here's the other thing I wish I had known. I wish I had known what I did in college was going to affect me when I'm looking for a job. I wish I had known that when I was skipping college algebra to go play basketball and C-SPAC, that it wasn't just going to cost me a job, it was going to cost me money. I remember sending interviews and hearing them say, okay, yes, so here's how it works. We, we may offer you the job or we may not offer you the job, but if we do offer you the job, your starting salary will be affected by your GPA. The devil is a lie. <laughs> so if you got a 4.0, you're going to get a 4.0 starting salary. If you have a 2.9 like I did, you couldn't give me that one-tenth of a percent. It will affect your hear me in our faith walk, how we steward our maturation process. It affects the life that we walk into and hear me the eternity that we walk into. Somehow we've been gypped into this mindset that Christianity is all about when you die. That, hey, just make sure you got fire insurance that you're a believer in Jesus. So when you die, you go to heaven because nobody wants to go to hell. But that's not what Jesus preached. Jesus didn't preach, wait to die and go to heaven. Jesus preached thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. He said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly, that you may see all the promises of God come to pass in your life. And it's predicated on how intentionally I'm growing in my faith. In our passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is writing the church of Corinth, and it's a, it's a pretty rough letter, y'all. Like, 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 Paul was bringing the backhand. He's like, this is wrong, that's wrong, that person's jacked up, y'all got to get this in order. Because what they were doing is they were merging secular values with the kingdom of God. They were saying, I'm going to take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of culture. I'm going to take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of idolatry. And Paul said, no, no, it doesn't work. It's all or nothing. You you, you can't add Jesus to humanism and get the promises of God. It's God and God alone. And here's what Paul said. He said, I can't come to you and set things in order. But he said, I'm going to send Timothy. And Timothy is just as good as me coming. Paul said, I I, I can't come, but I'm going to send my spiritual son, Timothy. And Timothy, he talks like me. He thinks like me. He prays like me. He he, he walks like me. And when you meet Timothy, you're going to think you met me. Today's message is entitled this. Does it stop with you? All that God is doing in your life, the faith that he's building, the miracles that you're seeing, the the family that you're establishing, the promises that you're taking hold of. Does it stop with you or are you passing your faith on to spiritual sons and daughters? Now, today's going to be a little uncomfortable. So I'm going to try to add a little bit of humor and all that other kind of stuff. And please don't stone me until after the message. And I promise you, I'll clean it up at the end. Does that work? Two people said it works. That's good enough for me to agree in his name. We're ready to rumble. So... I, 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 I read a statistic in the first service and, and, and Bishop Rollins was here and my dad was here and they literally stood up and they were getting ready to boycott the rest of the message and walk out. And I said, don't, don't leave yet, I'm not done. So I'm just gonna warn you, we're gonna give you that statistic, but, but it's gonna be good, okay? You ready? All right, so read a this week that it said individuals that are around the age of 65 and older are more likely to be depressed than any other generation. Now, hold on, calm down. My senior saints, like. You got to understand that they're testing people that are not believers right. that have not built their life on the truth of God's word that have not walked according to his precepts. So hear me, whether you're six or 65, if you're doing it without Jesus, you are likely to be depressed. It's, it, this life wasn't made to be done without him. Am I safe? Am I good? Did I clean it up? Okay. But, but here's why. Because when you get to that age of 65, most likely you are either retired or you've already hit the peak of your career. Whatever wealth you were trying to build, you've built it or you ain't going to build it. It's, it's about children are grown and, and they're out and they're starting their own families and you're, you're, you have grandkids maybe or whatever, but, but they're living their life. and It's the age where you start to look around. And say, what do I have to show for all the years that I've been here on earth? And why they said that is that at that age, people begin to realize I gave my life totally to things that were temporary. To things that had a certain life span. And now that I've outlived that goal. Here's the problem with the goal. You accomplish that goal. A goal is a finish line. And when you cross the finish line, now what? I'd like to submit to you that God has a goal for us as believers that we don't outlive, it outlives us. And 65, 75, 85 is not the age of I'm hanging it up, I'm done. It's the age of I have so much wisdom and understanding and experience of faith that I've accomplished in my life and I can pass it on. Who's your Timothy? Who's the person that's running in the faith that God has established in you? For Paul, he had Timothy. He had Titus. He had John Mark. He had Onesimus. Onesimus was a criminal. He literally stole money from people in the church. Paul took him in and he wrote a church, he wrote a letter to the church and he said, I know y'all hate Onesimus, but he's been a blessing to me. Like he's so, he even got a little shady. He said, I think it's because he's been locked up that he's been able to encourage me while I'm locked up. And he said, I formed Christ in him. And he said, any of y'all that got a beef with him, you got a beef with me. And any money that he owes you, put it on my tab. And Paul was shady. He said, and by the way, y'all owe me more than he could ever owe you. Paul was saying, after all that God has done in my life, what I'm most proud of are the people that I've raised up in the faith. And hear me, out of all the money you can amass, and there's nothing wrong with amassing money, the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. It does not say seek only. Sometimes we add stuff to scripture that's not in scripture. Seek only the kingdom. No, 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 the Bible says go on vacation. The Bible says build wealth. The Bible says go out and have nice dinners, enjoy your life, build a great career. All those things are of God. They're just not first. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. Each one's work will become clear. Somebody say, preach that. I'm going to read it, but can I preach it? You can't judge something prematurely. And I feel like one of the things we do is we judge success prematurely. Leave the first up, I'll come back to it in a second. In an Olympic race, the 100 meter, the, the 200 meter, the 300 meter, whatever, the 300 meter, the 400 meter, whatever it is, do you know they don't give out gold medals for the first 50 meters? Like, you, you know, the gun, they line up in, in, in the stocks, the gun goes off, everybody takes off. Instantly, some people are ahead, some people are behind. How weird would it be if a judge came out in the middle of the race and said, here's the gold medal, great start. Here's the silver, mo- silver medal. You-, you came out a little slower than the no, no, no. There's no trophy for how you start. There's only a trophy for how you finish. And Paul said, everybody's life will become clear in the end. Then, oh, I'm getting in trouble. You remember the most popular person in high school? Prom king and prom queen. And if that's you, God bless you. Hopefully your life went from glory to glory to glory to glory. But I'm just telling you, there's some people that they peaked in high school. Like that was the pinnacle of their popularity. It was the pinnacle of their influence. Listen to me. You don't want to peak in the first 18 years of your life. You, 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 I get irritated at those people that talk about the good old days. I don't have good old days. I had great days in the past, but my best days are ahead of me. I'm not looking backwards for what God has done. I'm looking forward for what he is going to do. All right, read the verse. Each one's work, their life will become clear for the judgment day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. So yet as through fire, God says, everything that you're building here on earth is going to be tested of whether it's going to count in eternity. Anything that we're building here on earth that doesn't count towards eternity, it will be lost. And only that which counts towards eternity will be rewarded. Hear me, the only thing that's going to count towards eternity is the lives that you impact. It's the people that you transfer your faith and your integrity. And your, it's going to be your sons and daughters of the faith. Hear me. If you've been saved for a week, there's someone who's been saved for a day that needs your encouragement. Hear me, if you've been going after God for 40 years, there's somebody that has more faith than you that you can learn from and be encouraged by and be corrected by. There is always somebody ahead of you and there's always somebody to reach back and encourage. So what I want to do is I want to give you just three thoughts, three thoughts of how do I pour my life into other people? How do I get to the place where I'm not just living for me, but I can look around and I can see men and women that are walking in the faith and the promises that God has placed me in? The first thought is this. Give them something to follow. If you're going to form your life, if you're going to form Christ in somebody else, you have to give them something. It's a little ignorant. I promise you I love you. But here's the word. Give them something worth following. Come on now. You, 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 you ever had somebody that you admired, somebody you looked up to until you got close to them? And then you realize, is this what I was impressed with? This is a scam. <laughs> it looked shiny from far back, but when I got up close, I don't want to be like that. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. Paul said, imitate me Just as I also imitate Christ. Paul said, if you do what you see me doing, oh, you're going to maximize all that God has for you. Question for you. If someone mimicked how you love your spouse, if someone mimicked how you manage your money, if someone mimicked how you raise your children, how you pursue your career, if someone imitated your life, where would they end up? Would they end up maximizing all that God has for them or or would they end up in a roadside ditch? Don't end up in a roadside ditch. I I, I was driving one day and somebody's asked her, and said, what about Jade? Jade was not born yet. This was last year driving in a car. My wife's eye is sitting next to me. In the back seat is Zoe and Roman's right behind me. And we're driving in Howard County and all of Maryland is just interesting. Howard County, they like trees out there. They hug trees. They're just, they're just about nature and all that other good stuff. And I, I was, I was driving my car down a one lane road and there was a, a gentleman in front of me on a bicycle. And I don't know what it is about people on bicycles. One of our executive pastors, he's an, a cyclist and he wants to get me to cycle too. And I'm like, no, I did that when I'm four years old. I'm good now. But uh, they, they just, you know, they get out there. They got those spandex on and they're little, they're little bicycles. and They're ready to rumble. And, and I think this guy thought that his bike had an engine. That had to be the only reason why he was riding in the middle of the road. And I'm driving and I'm like, should I bump him? Should I nudge him? Like... And I mean, he's just, and if you're a cyclist in here, we got beef. I know, see me after churches, whatever. But they just have this, I'm a vehicle too. You can't push me out the way. I'm a ride in the middle of the street. (laughs) I'm driving and, you know, trying to be patient. I'm just like, as soon as I see a little split in the road, I don't even see the dots in the line, but as soon as they're not coming, I'm zipping around them and I'm driving. And next thing I know, I hear somebody scream, get out the way. And I look at Zion, I'm like, babe, what are you? So I was like, that wasn't me. My four-year-old in the back seat. Zoe, so like, get out the way. Like, Pray for her mother. I'm telling you, Zai sometimes just the worst example. And we're I'm living in a world right now, some of you have been there. Where my kids are now repeating everything they hear their dad say. And, and, and I've discovered that, that I can say things that I can say. I'm not talking about cursing or anything like that. But, you know, maybe aggressively speaking. <laughs> that I understand what context to say it in and do it in or whatever it may be. But, but, but my, my three-year-old Roman, not, not so much. So when I hear him tell his sister, what were you thinking? I'm like, I might need to get a help. (laughs) My niece is, I love my niece. She was in school. She's like two. And uh, the teacher came up and said, hey, it's time to to put the toys away. She looked the teacher in the eye and said, go away. (laughs) Part of me is like, yeah, she's a leader. Just... Are we giving people a life worth emulating? Or are we living the life, do what I say, not what I do? One of the things, so often we live life and we make decisions based on what's comfortable for us, but not necessarily what we would tell other people to copy and emulate. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 8, 9. He said, be careful, however, that as you exercise your rights, that it does not become a stumbling block for the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all knowledge eating in idols' temples, won't that person embolden to eat what is sacrificed to idols? Here's what Paul said. He said, we're not having a conversation about your biblical right. You You ever got one of those conversations with people? It's not a sin to drink. It's just a sin to be drunk. You're right. It's not a sin to drink. I can do this and still love God. You're, that is your right. But when you become a parent, you no know longer live based on what you can do. You live based on what positions your children to maximize all that God has for them. So you ain't gonna walk in a restaurant and see Pastor Stephen throwing them back. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, Pastor gets turned. I can get turned. Ah! I like this church. I, I go to that church. I, I get down with that pastor. He may be skinny, but he can hold his liquor. I invest with Why won't you see that? Because I, don't, I believe it's a sin? No. Because I know it's a struggle for other people. And because I'm a leader that people are emulating... I can no longer have a standard based on what I can control. My standard must be what those who are following me can control. And if they can't handle it, I can't. Somebody say this is grad school. What we want to do is we want to live based on our own comfort and our own joy. And it's my right. Every mom in this room knows you've given up your rights. (laughs) You no longer have the right to sleep or to just throw some clothes on and run out the door whenever you want to. You have people that are following you and emulating you. Now, here's the thing. It feels restrictive, but it's actually where the greatest fulfillment comes from because you're going to be more excited about what God does in someone else's life through you than even what he does through you in your own life. Some of us, we don't want people to emulate us because we're not perfect. Do you know that your perfection discourages me? I actually don't like people who are perfect. You know why? Two reasons. One, they're lying. <laughs> Pastor, that's strong. You can't call someone a liar. Yes, I can, because the Bible did. Prove it. None are righteous. No, not one. It's like the Bible was having a conversation. None are righteous. You haven't met my grandma. No. Not one. Your grandma was ratchet. She just hid it from you. You didn't know. Perfect people don't encourage me. They discourage me because I can never make it to that level of perfection. People don't need your perfection. They need your pursuit. They need your progress. They need you to hear. Yes, the righteous fall, but they get back up seven times. Yes, I don't always respond to my wife with grace and mercy, but I do know how to apologize and go back and say, I missed it and I blew it. Can you forgive me? Please don't spend any money. I know how to... (laughs) Can I tell you what could be one of the most transformational things for your children? When you go back and say, I'm sorry, I missed it. Will you forgive me? Here you are in authority. They're parent. But you can admit that you're not perfect. That will speak more to them than you. When I was your age. Okay, save it, shove it, put it somewhere else. They don't need your perfection. They need your pursuit. They need your progress. The second thing is this, write this down. Lead where you have been. So give people a life to follow. But you can only lead people to the place that you have been. Amen. You can't lead people to a place that you've never been. All right, I'm going to say something here. It's going to be tough, but know that I love you and I'm going to clean it up. I'm not even going to wait to the end. I'll clean it right away. Y'all ready? We have a lot of people that want to be spiritual fathers, but they've never been sons. And we have a lot of people that want to be spiritual mothers, but they've never been spiritual daughters. And what we do is we have people that are trying to lead others to a place that they have never been themselves. I'm going to say it carefully and I'm going to clean it up. When I've never been fathered, I'm more likely to abuse my son. When I've never been mothered, I'm more likely to abuse my daughter. I'll, I'll, I'll clean that up in a second. but Some of us, we didn't grow up with natural fathers. So are you saying, Pastor, if I didn't have a, a, a natural father, that I'm just going to abuse my children. And I'm going to clarify what the word abuse means. I'm not talking about beating them and all, all that other good stuff. I'm just talking about mismanaging. But hear me, you can't create what you have not seen. That's why God has created the church. The Bible says that God has taken the orphans and he's placed them in family, which is the church. If you've never seen a healthy marriage, you better get around some healthy marriages in church because you can't create what you haven't seen. If you've never been fathered, you better get around some men of God that are strong fathers or you're going to be making it up as you go along. And there's a better way to learn than the hard way. You don't have to learn through your experience. You can learn through somebody else's experience. Here's the problem. People people don't like to be fathered. People don't like to be sons. They don't like to be daughters. Because what that means is I'm submitting my life for somebody else to correct me. Oh, I'm just this whole message. I'm just living on the edge. I'm gonna jump off the edge. Is that all right, Baltimore? Here's what I know that, 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 that you, you, you may not quite know I know that every Sunday I preach to thousands of people, but I only pastor a handful. Oh. Can I go a little further? Just because you come to my church. Doesn't make me your pastor. Now hear me. I am your pastor in this way. I'm going to speak the promises of God over your life. I'm going to cover you spiritually. I'm going to pray over you and your family. That the enemy can't step into your life. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to form Christ in you. Because that's not something that I can take the authority for. It's only something you can submit to. And hear me. Whether you've submitted to be pastored is never evident until we disagree. As long as we agree, I'm not pastoring you, we're just walking in the same direction. So when I say all the promises of God are yesterday, man, you're like, oh, I want the promises. And when I say your best days aren't heavy, yesterday, ah, are, you better preach that. You're agreeing with me. Ain't no pastoring going on. It's when I say there's a bitter spirit on your life. And it's poisoning your future. Can I give you the response of the unpastorable? I don't see it that way. Let's get spiritual. God has not revealed that to me. Somebody say, get back to the Bible. Get back to the Bible. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, not Paul, Saul. This is the same person, but that's his wretched name. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me. Jesus sent me that you may receive your sight. Somebody say receive your sight. I didn't see it that way. It's because you can't see. He said, God sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. At this moment in the apostle Paul's life, he was already a Christian. He had surrendered to Jesus. He had surrendered to the call of God on his life. Watch this. And Jesus left him blind. Jesus could have dropped the scales from his eyes when he fell off the horse. Jesus could have dropped the scales off of his eyes when he had been fasting and praying for all those days. But Jesus said there's a certain ability to see your future that you will never have until you submit your life to somebody else. Here's the job of a pastor in your life to see your blind spots. Come on, any married folks in here, you know your spouse's blind spot? I meant it as a joke, but now I just got serious. And you're scared to tell them because it always turns into an argument. So you don't want to say, hey, every time I make a suggestion, you take it as a correction and you get in your feelings because then it becomes a funky day and ain't nobody got time. Oh, I don't know why I'm flowing, but let's just, we all have blind spots. Some of us are just too prideful to admit it. I don't know why I'm dancing. And you know what has happened for so many people? Because they've never submitted their lives to be pastored. They have left it to their spouse to pastor them. And it is not your spouse's job to pastor you. They are your lover, not your pastor. But. Because you won't submit to somebody else to point out your blind spot. You leave them to either point it out or be miserable. So maybe some of the fights that you're having in your marriage is because you're doing something that the pastor is supposed to do. But because you're a Lone Ranger Christian, there's nobody there to pastor you. By the way, we have three locations and thousands of people. It's not that I'm going to pastor you personally. But we have leaders at every location and connect group hosts that are there to walk with you, to encourage you, to cheer you on and to form Christ in you. Church is not just a Sunday morning, hour, 15-minute experience where you're built up and encouraged. It is here is my life. Help me become all that God has be called me to be. Just because I'm on this topic, can I give you one more thing about being pastorable? When you think about the difference between a professional athlete and an amateur athlete. Think about a tennis player. The best there ever was or Roger Federer or whoever, Djokovic or whatever it may be. They will pay money for somebody to correct them. Watch this. They will pay money for someone who corrects them. And the person who's correcting them can't even do what they're doing. You were never as good as me. You never had the talent that I had. You never won as many of the major events as I, but yet I'm paying you to correct me. An amateur will make you pay for correcting them. You hurt my feelings. I'm not coming to your connect group anymore. And by the way, I'm going to tell everybody in the church that you're controlling This is my amateur walk. But I think there's just some people that you're a professional, that you're more focused on maximizing all that God has for your life than you're focused on appearing like you have it all together. I'm just believing it may not be all a union church, but there's a couple thousand people in this church that are like, coach me, correct me, help me grow, help me become all that God has for me. I don't care if you see something wrong. Come on, come on. Somebody say, if you see something, say Something because the last thing I want is to have a blind spot that I leave my wife to have to correct. All right, write this down. Last thing. That was fun. Y'all have fun. Have fun. Last one is this number three. You got to see beyond your dreams and disappointments. Can I give you a little bit of statistics? Most people don't even think about anybody else in their life until they're over 50. Most of us are so consumed in our own goals and our own dreams and our own vision, we don't even acknowledge that there's other people around us. Amen. Genesis 13, verse 8, it says this So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not there be any beef between us. Between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, we are brethren, we're family. Is not this whole land before us? He said, hey, you get away from me. He said, take whatever you want. If you go to the left, then I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. This was Abraham. They had walked into the promised land that God had given him. And he had brought Lot, his nephew. And what happened was, as God blessed Abraham, Lot became blessed according to Abraham's blessing. I've discovered I'm walking in blessings that I didn't work for, but because I connected to the right pastor, because I got under Pastor Ron. And I'm, I, I was talking to Bishop Rollins after this, sur- at the first service. And I said, I know I'm reaping a harvest for seeds I didn't even plant, but because I connected to the right person. <laughs> Lot was blessed because of association and he became so blessed. There were too much herds and sheep for them to coexist in the same place. Abraham was older. He was the one with favor. He was the one with the promise. And he said, Lot, you pick the best. Come on, this is the heart of a spiritual father. You pick the best and then I'll take whatever is left over. As long as I am insecure About whether the dreams of my heart will ever come to pass, I will only see people as a tool to manipulate. Every relationship in my life will either be a person who encourages me to do better or helps me get more. What if we live from a place of security? What if we live from a place that we understood all of the promises of God are yes and amen? Or 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who called me is faithful and he will do it. So I don't have to claw, I don't have to scratch, I don't have to step on other people, I don't have to elbow people out of the way. Here, what is mine is mine and you can't take it. What God has for me is for me and I can't lose it because I didn't earn it. So I'm actually going to live my life trying to help other people. Step into all that God has for them, because my dreams are taken care of. I've discovered I'll never see other people until I can see me. Give me this one story, you Nolan. Know? So I'm 23. I'm out of college. I got a job. I'm ready to get married. It's the next step. I was actually waiting for marriage, which means I was burning. I was like, "All right, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go." Some of y'all caught that. Some of y'all didn't. He meant what he said. It's buried to better than birth. Anyway. No options. I mean there were options, but not options. You know what I mean by that? Like this. Yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Some of y'all are just too desperate. Y'all just, y'all just take whatever. Listen. Now I'm here. Let's just have a little bit. You don't go to the supermarket and grab any bananas that they have. You're gonna pick the one that's ripe, the one that's just just don't be grabbing anything that walks through the door. Like you need to be picky. Have some pride about yourself. So there was options, just not options. I had a friend and he had a girlfriend they've been dating for like three years. And he was getting ready to propose. He was just saving up for the engagement ring. I said, How much more do you need before you can buy the ring? He told me, and I had it. So I went in my bank account, took my money, gave it to him for his engagement ring. Why? I didn't need it. Remember, I had no options. When you're in a place of security, then it may not be yet, but it will be. It will happen. Like there's nothing that God has for me that I won't walk into. I can actually empower other people to walk into all that God has for them. But it will only come from a place of security. As long as we're striving. I don't know if God's going to do what he said he's going to do in my life. You will never see another person. What if we didn't wait till we were 65 to invest in other people? But what if a 16-year-old started serving in kids' ministry and loving on the 8-year-old and the 9-year-old that's not going to worship because another 8-year-old is worshiping. But when they see that 16-year-old with their hands up and they see that it's cool to love God and it's cool to pursue Him and it's cool to give out... What if I had some college students that would serve at student night, even though you've graduated out of student night, but when that 15-year-old sees another 15-year-old worship, they're like, oh, that's corny. But when they see that super cool 22-year-old with their hands lifted going after God, they say, I want to be just like that. What if that couple that has been married for 10 years will go back and lead a premarital class and help them learn what you... Anybody in here, you had some trash marriage counseling? And you're like, I wish they had told me day one. What I learned day 21. <laughs> There's somebody behind you that needs what you have. And I've discovered the more I look back, the more God will give me. Because he knows it won't get stuck with me. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God... <laughs> you want to use us in other people's lives. you don't just want to bless us but you want to bless other people through us god that's crazy after all our mistakes for all the times we've doubted and looked back but yet you still see purpose and destiny in us god nobody in this room feels like we have it all together nobody in this room feels like like we're the best choice God, in this moment we say we're available god use us just we you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed if you could pray this prayer with me say holy spirit what are you saying to me just give god a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you for a lot of us god is saying stop making decisions based on what we can handle and based on what those that are following us can handle Many of us need to become sons and daughters before we could ever become fathers and mothers. But For some of you in this room right now, before you connect your life to another believer, you need to connect your life to Jesus. You've never become a son or daughter of the Most High God. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you knew how to do the church thing or maybe you're opposite. This is your first experience in church but whatever your story, you know, you've never given God full control of your life. Bad news, good news. Bad news is at this moment, you're separated from him. You're on your own. If you were to pass away, you would spend an eternity in hell separated from him. The good news is Jesus is in this room right now with arms wide open. Saying I've already paid the price for every mistake. You do not have to fix your life or get your life together. You just have to give it to Jesus. You say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to make that decision right where you're sitting. I'm not going to have you stand up or come up front, but right where you're sitting. Can you pray this prayer with me? It's simple. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Today, I surrender I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on church, can you celebrate for every single person?